I give you that international sensation. What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Hello and welcome to Queer Now, the Top Film Society podcast, where we take you on a time-hopping journey through queer cinema, going decade by decade to discover how it has evolved over the years. I'm Dave. I'm here with my co-host, Manish Mother. Manish, welcome back. It has been a while. Yeah. Uh, since we have podcasted together. I know it's been too long. I'm so glad to be back here with you. Yeah. And it's kind of perfect timing, right? I mean, we are where th- we're just like, I don't know when the episodes will come out, but because that's your problem, not mine. You have oh, to edit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we are finally coming back to recording after a unplanned lazy hiatus. Um, and we're recording at the very end of Pride Month. So we had to get at least one episode recorded during Pride Month. So it, it sometimes things time out just right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this Pride Month has been so like it, June has just like flown by. It really has. It feels like yesterday I was like, oh, it's June first, yay! And now I'm like, oh my god, July first is like coming up, and I right oh. around the corner. Yes, <laughs> I don't want to believe it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, did you do anything for Pride weekend? Oh, I don't know uh, when your Pride is o- over there. I mean, Maybe I don't either because I'm like in a new place and like, you know, things are just starting to open up. So that's going to yeah. be like a next year thing, I think. Like, I know they have a Pride. There is a relatively large queer community in Lexington, Kentucky, even though yeah. you might not think that. Like, Lexington is like one of the two very liberal cities in Kentucky. So there yeah. is a fair amount here. I just haven't like ventured out um, after the apocalypse to kind of check all that stuff out. Yeah. What about you? You're in, I mean, you're in, you're in, you know, New York-ish. So, like, there's got to be Pride stuff going on where you are. Yeah, there was a whole thing yesterday. Um, apparently, there was a lot of crowd over this, like, Gene Smart billboard in right along the route. Um, and I'm sad that I missed that. Uh, but I didn't do anything because um, I'm not in the city proper yet. I'm just outside mm. the city. And I was like, you know what? This whole me going on the train and then going on the subway to, like, find people just seems like a lot of effort um, right yeah so instead i looked at all my friends posting pictures and i was very jealous <laughs> <And> i was <laughs> like i chose to believe i did not have the option to go even though i totally did and chose yes. not to go <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely but uh we of course here at queer now hope you had a wonderful pride weekend however yeah. you celebrated even if you celebrated by yourself and just you know took a moment to think about the fact how cool it is that you can be your most full self and yeah. you know live in live in this, you know, kind of modern-ish world where it's a little less dangerous every year to be queer. So that is a really good thing. So we hope you uh, celebrated uh, Pride in in your own way. So speaking of Pride, we're into, you know, the year 2000, right? Yeah. Um, on our podcast. And there's a, there's a connection with the movie we're covering with the movie Pride, which we have already covered. Um, so the movie we're covering is Billy Elliot. And if you've seen the movie, you may have figured out what that connection is. But if not, we will get to it soon. Uh, but Manish, is is this a movie you had seen before? Or was this like one of those you missed and became a first-time watch? It was my first time seeing it. Um, oh, nice. I hadn't seen it, but I heard about it. And uh, it was the kind of movie where... <laughs> um, 
I didn't really want to see it when I was younger or in high school because it felt like it reminded me too much of my own childhood mm. because uh, I was one of those queer kids whose family was like, you need to, you know, do more boy things. And I was like, I hate boy things. <laughs> <laughs> and just the idea of like this, like kids sneaking around and like, I knew that there was going to be a point where he gets caught and that always gives me some mm. anxiety, you know? Yeah. So I just avoided it. And um, there's a whole Broadway show that I didn't go see. Not for that reason, but just because I just missed it or I don't know. Maybe I wasn't living in New York at the time. But um, And then once I kind of grew up and became more, well, relatively more mature, I just missed it. Uh, but I was so glad to... Uh, watch it for this podcast because it was very lovely and very different than what I thought it was going to be. So I, um, yeah, definitely a, a good, a good movie to watch. Um, how about you? Is this your first time seeing it? Um, so before I get into that, one thing I forgot, we always want to talk about like, you know, was this created by gay creators oh, right? Yeah, yeah. in our movies for Billy Elliot? Um, so this was directed by Stephen Daldry, who I found out is Openly gay and married to a woman. Uh, oh, I guess wow. he married he married his best friend. Like it's just like a oh, like a lavender cool. marriage. Yeah, exactly. Like he's yeah. just like we live really well together. We work really well together. Let's just do this, and so we can have someone in our lives. But he's openly gay, so this is actually uh, created by someone in the queer community. So that was that was cool to see. And I was looking at other movies that came out in two thousand. Yeah. And there's not much, actually. Uh, I mean, there's always foreign films I haven't watched or heard of that are on this list that I don't know much about. But the two that jumped out to me are Chuck and Buck, which, no, thank you. I'm not watching that for Queer Now. No, Uh, that is... Uh, you don't you don't want to know. It's you're you're better off. Um, and then I guess there was a biopic uh, about Marlena Dietrich, just called oh. Marlena. Um, so if I had known about that, I might have picked uh, picked that. But I'm kind of glad I didn't because you had asked. You know, is this kind of a first time watch for me? And it's kind of yes and no. Like I think I watched it in the year it came out, um, yeah. but I have not thought about it since. So it's been you know, two decades since I've seen it. And my memory is not that good anyway. So two decades ago, I, I might as well have been a different person who watched that movie. So right, all, right. all I remembered about it is that it was like, oh, it's about dance. Uh, and it's kind of a sweet movie, I guess. Like, that's it. That was kind of my my only thought about this movie going in. And it was better than I remembered. Um, I really like this movie. I expect it, like, sometimes, you know, you watch a movie, especially if you're people like you and me that watch a lot of movies, and you're like, that was nice. Okay, I won't think about that again. Where the general public loves nice movies. (laughs) They're like, oh, I feel good after watching that. That's great. Uh, But this is really excellent. And it also probably, the, the other change in it for me is, you know, who Jamie Bell became. Um, our lead yeah. actor who plays Billy, like, and it's funny because, like, the whole movie, I just kept looking at him, like, whose face is that? Like, I know yeah. I have seen this guy before, right. and then, and then the credits come up in the end, and I was like, oh, of course, that is Jamie Bell. Like, there are very few people like this, but some people, you know, when they take pictures of them as kids and then they extrapolate them as to what they would look like as an adult, yeah. that's Jamie Bell in this movie. Like, it absolutely looks just like him. Uh, and you could just tell, like, this is an actor who has that certain something. Like, even as a child actor, really, really good, really powerful performance. And I was just kind of blown away by it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, he... I mean, Davy Bell, I know as someone who um, I feel like he's kind of been doing a lot of like motion capture work 
or mm. that's something that he's done a couple times, like um, Tintin, I think. And uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, what was the? Other it's one? in the Fantastic Four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, well, who knows if it counts, but uh, he did it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and maybe those are the only two that are coming up. But he seems like an actor that I feel like is known for physicality. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I had seen. Oh, him. he was also. I think he was in one of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, uh, yeah. Reboots. Or yeah. Or King Kong or Planet of the one of those two. I guess. Yeah, I think he was in Planet of the Apes, and yeah. he was he was one of he was like he was the villain the ape. ape. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, definitely someone that I feel like is known for like physicality and movement as an actor. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I had known that it was him in, the, in this movie uh, because I. Um, I feel like it was. It had come up in some <clears throat> some article or something I'd write about him from like years ago, and uh, being like, "Oh wow!" Like the kid from Billy Elliot, like actually became like famous oh. as an adult. <laughs> you know, not just like some kid actor that either left acting or just didn't like get become famous. Uh, right. And I remember him in the movie. I think I sent you this clip from um, Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool with Annette Bening. Oh yes, uh-huh. where mm-hmm. he's like dancing and it's like he's such a talented dancer and it was so it's very hot, um, but also very like very exciting because he's a great dancer. So I was excited to see him in this sort of role. And, uh, and, uh, but not only the dancing part, but I thought his like actual performance was Mm -hmm. really affecting. Like he really like um, he has this sort of like innocence to him and it's like, you just want to protect him and you just want to like hold Mm -hmm. him and, um, he has such a sensitivity and so this like, um, yeah, he's not precocious at all. Like he doesn't do that kid actor thing of being like too like actory. Like he just feels very natural. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is his like first movie or he had been acting before, but like this is a big, big breakthrough. I don't know if you know that, but it seemed like whether this was his first movie or just his first like famous movie, it feels like he came out like already. This was, this was the first thing he ever did. Yeah. So Um, he came out singing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, the plan of the apes actor, I was uh, mistaking him for is Toby Kebble. Um, So that's not him, but um, the thing I now immediately remember him from speaking of gay stuff is he was in rocket man, the uh, Elton John musical. Right. He played Bernie Toppin. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, but it's a really good point you bring up that this that this is a truly great child acting performance. And that, yeah. as anyone who's listened to me on podcast knows, that pains me to say, because I tend to <laughs> despise child actors, even the yeah. ones that you idiots out there think are good. I'm like, ugh, it's horrible. What are you talking about? But he's genuinely so, so good. And, you know, of course, there are other characters in this film, but like he really carries it. Like, yes, yeah. he is. He's the titular character, but also like he's the heart of the movie. Like, you know, the of course, the actor who plays the father is wonderful and terrifying in yeah. different stretches. Um, you know, his dance teacher is wonderful. But like if you don't have a really high quality child actor in this part, this movie is unwatchable. There is no way you even get through it. But he's like beyond pretty good or serviceable. Like there is just this there's this kindness to his face in this movie. Like you said, like you want to protect him constantly. Yeah. And when he finally, I guess what passes for Billy Elliot snapping when his father catches him and he decides essentially with no nothing vocal in the moment that he's going to prove himself to his father and just dance for him and show him 
what he has become. It is so powerful. Like, and I think a lot of dance movies make the mistake that they don't have a moment like this. Yeah. You know, they trend, they tend to try and talk through it or they make the, the dance sequences like so highly choreographed and specific and like technique driven Mm -hmm. that you like, you kind of, you, you kind of lose any sense of reality. You're like, oh, this is this is a movie moment. Yeah, Whereas this is just someone, stuff. yeah, exactly. Whereas this is just someone like, just literally dancing his heart out, yeah. like just trying to make someone he about see him for who he really is and what he's passionate about. And it's tremendously moving, and it goes on for a long time. It's kind yeah. of a gutsy move, filmmaking wise, because. Yeah. You know, uh, same thing with musicals, right? There's always like a line where you're like, okay, is this too dancey for other audiences? Like, yeah, if you're really into theater, you're going to watch this. You're like, this is amazing. Yes, this is wonderful. But if you're trying to bring in, you know, the other crowd, you got to really be careful about how long you let this go. Uh, But and so he lets Stephen Daldry lets it go for quite a long time to the point where even I, as someone who likes dance, is kind of going like, when are we how is this going to wrap up? Like, yeah, I don't want yeah. it to, but like, how are we going to do this in the, in the form of a movie? Or is this just going to take a weird turn where it just becomes a 25 minute dance sequence from yeah, here on right. out. But I think it's handled really, really well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, having just seen um, uh, both in the Heights and West side story in terms of like dancing uh, and this film, like, I mean, this isn't a musical, but it feels like one. And it's not surprising mm-hmm. that they made it into a musical. Um, you could easily oh, yeah. add songs to this film and it would it would enhance the film. Um, but, um, you know, it's so interesting to see how uh, dance has been filmed in the past and in Billy Elliot, which is only two decades ago, and in the Heights now, which is like now the I think the... Um, the style or like the trend is to be very kinetic and I'm doing lots of mm-hmm. editing and seeing a lot, but then in some ways it like hides the dancing and it mm-hmm. feels too like my one, well, one of the few complaints I have within the Heights is that the dance numbers don't feel like big musical dance numbers. They feel mm. like very edited music videos. And sure. um, I think it works well because um, John M. Chu is a, he's a very interesting filmmaker. And so he's, yes the way he's editing it is very interesting and he's making something very kinetic and, and cinematic. But sometimes I'm like, I just want to see dancing because like that's right. part of the reason why I bought the ticket and, you know, <laughs> West Side Story has such careful, deliberate editing. Um, and right. I, I felt like this film did too. I, I, I felt like it was so organically captured that like, even that feeling that, I mean, I had that feeling too of like, this is kind of going on very long, but <laughs> in some ways it adds to the the character of it because, you know, he's actually taking up space for himself and he's right. making you, you know, making you actually like sit down and watch him, you know, not just, um, you know, what test audiences will say, okay, this is enough. <laughs> right, actually, right. actually like demanding that time and that space and it feels like, you know, I mean, I feel like I took a deep breath after it was over and just exhaled because I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, he got it out, you know, it's cathartic, yeah. it's exercised. So, yeah, I really, um, I loved that, that sequence and like the last, the last, well, I mean, the last act, the whole last half of the film I loved, but especially that, that part. Yeah. And I, I love that sequence, not only because the dancing is incredible and yeah. it really takes that risk, but also there is like a sense of very real fear in that moment because uh, Gary, Gary Lewis, who plays his father, who's tremendous here yeah. um, as he's, you know, his son is like dancing at him 
essentially, uh, you know, outside the boxing ring. And there's a moment, there's a brief moment where you're like, is he going to slap this kid? Like, is this this going to get really ugly? Because he's already punched his older son in the fucking face. Like, this is not someone who's like a, you know, just a kind hearted soul who's a big softy. Yeah. Um, But I honestly, I have doubts about anyone who watches this and is not moved um, especially by Gary Lewis's performance, that scene where he literally breaks down crying um, in front of in front of the job site, you yeah. know, with his older son in his arms and basically saying, like, what if this is how he makes something of himself? What if he's a genius? We don't know. And because we are so separate from this, but you can see in his eyes, like, but my son loves this so much. My son loves this more than anything I've ever loved, except maybe his wife who died. Like that is the only thing he can probably compare it to. And when you see this stoic, angry man, when you see him break, like not only like break down, but his face just contorts in this way where it looks, it looks like he's a man who's never cried. Like his face is not used to that motion. How to do it. Yeah, exactly. And it's so impactful and also impactful is his son holding him there and like basically pushing everyone else away. Who's like ready to kind of start a fight because he had like crossed picket lines because of this strike. Um, And it's just so, so moving. And I don't know how you aren't, you know, you aren't affected by this, you know, and it's a really interesting trick because the whole first half of the movie, they keep all of these, these men and boys separate, right? Like there's almost, there's a very little conversation between Billy and his dad because he's kind of scared of him and he's kind of keeping his distance and he's doing this, you know, these dance lessons in secret instead of boxing. And he's just going to keep that there. And that moment when he dances at him is like their first moment of real connection. The other moments are like getting yelled at or watching his son get hit in the face, watching his brother get hit in the face. And now it's like, this is something very real. And that is the moment that the movie completely turns into something that I didn't think it was going to be right. It becomes the story of a, you know, a poor working class, stereotypically masculine father supporting wholeheartedly his son who just wants to dance. And like, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful plot line that is. Cause the whole first half is like you as the audience member, just like gripping your fist together. Like, Oh God, I really hope his dad doesn't find out. And his dad finding out actually ends up being the absolute best thing that could ever happen to Billy. It's really, really, um, beautiful kind of take on that trope um, yes making it that way and honestly it happened like way sooner than i expected you know you would think it would be like you know right mm. before like the big recital and right with 15 know, minutes left oh yeah, the father yeah. finally turned but it's like halfway yeah. <laughs> it's halfway and the, exactly the whole film and then it sort of transcends into this whole other as you're saying this whole other, other story and one that is more um, it feels more like uh, bigger in scale in terms of mm-hmm. like now it's not just about this like one boy and his one thing, but it's about this family and it's about sort of the state of, you know, British or English, um, you know, working class people and then like tying it into the into the strike. There's like, I don't want to say if it's, it becomes like political, but almost it does because mm-hmm. now it's about like, how do you even afford to do it and like, the cost of, you know, crossing the picket lines and what that means and, right. um, and not accepting charity and uh, pride and all that. And it just becomes this whole other thing that um, is more, I think, um, more affecting thematically, more interesting as a film and as a story and 
makes it more unique than the other thousand, you know, secret dream <laughs> movies out yes, there. Like yes. even ones I like, like Ben and like Beckham, it's like, well, it's like, you know, the same story, but then this one really transcends. And mm-hmm. it, it reminded me of movies like The Full Monty. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, another thing where you kind of tie in this very specific thing into a larger political story and it becomes more... Um, it just becomes like more thematically interesting because now mm-hmm. there's like more stakes to it beyond just like can this kid like dance? Yeah, he can just move out in like five years. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Dance, you know, like I know five years is a long time in that situation, but like, you know, he's not. It's not the end of the world for him. But like, right. actually, this family could be ruined by you know circumstances of the yeah. Like, and, and, and do you money and stuff. do you find this this version of the story of the strike more or less affecting affecting than one that focuses solely on it like pride yeah. which we did on this show is like yes it's about it's about a group of queer people helping these miners but the movie is about the the miners and yeah. the strike it's very focused do you find something like billy elliot that kind of shows you a bit of that and glances at it more effective or something like pride that is like about a certain event and very very focused yeah it's hard, it's hard to say which I like better because um, not to be annoying, but like they're both doing very different things. One is like, mm-hmm. you know, that is a, a pride is it's, it's a, I guess, biopic adjacent. I mean, I feel like they're yes, real people, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's very much like telling you, it's teaching you that story and kind of giving you a, you know, kind of emotional tie to it. But here it's like, this is more of a snapshot of how it affects people that aren't the ones, you know, making these sort of like group, like making these sort of decisions. Right. So it's like, you know, the family and Billy Elliot, they're not the ones that are at, you know, the meetings and stuff. They're just a family that is affected by it. And, you know, they, they, they're on the strike, they cross pick a line, whatever, but it's like, you know, it's like, this is just like one of a million stories just like this, you know, right. And the pride that film is, a very specific story about that very specific group of people and the change that they're affecting. So um, I, I think in some ways, I think I like the way Billy Elliot does it better because it makes it feel more humid and less biopicy. Right. Um, not to say, I mean, we, you and I both loved pride. So yeah, pride not... sucks now. Sorry. We, we totally <laughs> it's such a basic biopic. Yeah. Ugh, uh, who cares? <laughs> but uh, I think that like, it's interesting having seen Pride first because once I kind of realized that it was the same strike, which I didn't realize until about an hour into oh Billy God. Elliot, oh. um, uh, just because I just didn't connect the the years. Uh, but it's interesting having seen Pride because now I have that context and now I can apply right. it to this family story and see it as like, you know, this is something that that affected um, everyone uh, right. and in different ways, you know. Potentially, you know, um, Billy Elliot couldn't have could have missed a big opportunity because they couldn't afford it, and he couldn't. Right. His dad could have chosen not to cross the picket line, um, and been like, "Hey, sorry, but you know, sucks." Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I find myself like I find the movie version of Pride more affecting about the strike, but I yeah. find myself wondering: Is this because that strike is not? 
for me, being born and raised in the United States, not something that was common knowledge, right? Yeah. So I felt like I needed the history lesson where I have this in my head because I just watched JFK for another podcast. But if someone made a movie about the JFK assassination and it was like a straightforward biopic, I'd be like, yeah, yeah I, I fucking know. Like, it's fine. Yeah. yeah but yeah. if you did something glancing at it, I'd be like, oh, this is kind of a new take on this. So yeah. I think that's the reason the minor strike in Pride is more effective for me. Although yeah. I think Billy Elliot even though I say that, I think Billy Elliot's a slightly better movie uh, than Pride is. Like, and maybe yeah. I just like the the more human element to this. This sure. kind of, especially of this this kid. Um, but we haven't really talked about any gay stuff. He has a he has a you know essentially a gay best friend, I guess. Uh, yeah. In this movie. That's- well, that's something I wanted to ask you about, which is um, what did you make of the story choice to have Billy Elliot not, well, not be gay? I mean, I guess he's young, so who knows? But like, for the sake of, you know, this discussion, like, let's just say he's straight. He's always going to be straight. Um, That's, you know, it's just in, that's what his future is going to be like. So uh, what do you think about making that choice? And do you think that's sort of straight washing a very kind of queer story? Hmm, that's interesting. I... I'm not sure that he's totally straight. Um, I think, I think as he's, as he's growing up, he is a very removed child, right? Mm -hmm. He is very distant. So like he has, he has a member of each sex, like pretty strongly want to experiment with him. And he doesn't really experiment with either one of them, but he doesn't push either one of them away. It's something I love about that, that scene with his, with his friend, with this boy where he's clearly like this, this boy, you know, wants to experiment with Billy and wants that to happen. And Billy knows that too, but he doesn't freak out. Right. He doesn't go, Oh, what's wrong with you? Don't touch me. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, it's just understood that like, no, that's not, that's not what I want to do, but that's okay. You're still my friend, which is also such a lovely message. Cause how many movies have we seen where a little gay boy, especially, you know, hits on the wrong straight boy and the straight boy loses his shit and like, can't deal with it. And it really fits with Billy's character that he's just like an introspective kind little boy and is accepting of everybody. Um, So I, I, you know, (laughs) we've had discussions uh, with other people about this on on the internet about how some people say like, oh, you can't use queer in this way of like queering the narrative and all that kind of stuff. But I disagree with that. I think this is an inherently queer movie. Um, I think that Billy, Billy could not be any more queer in the world that he lives in, even if he was gay, like you could not get farther from the world of his father and his older brother than falling in love with dance. Like that is the gayest thing he possibly could have done. That is way gayer than kissing a boy in that that world. So, So I didn't have a big issue with it, but I could definitely understand like the rest of this movie points to that, but then it's like, they kind of pull it back and they're like, no, just kidding. He's, 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 he loves to dance, but he's not gay. Uh, and we're just going to cast like a really hot dancer at the end to play, uh, uh, to play adult Billy. Uh, and it's going to be fine. Um, I love that. I do love that Stephen Daldry casts someone who is not an actor, but is like a professional ballet dancer mm-hmm. in that role. Cause you don't need, he's not speaking. Yeah. 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 You know, you don't really need that. And it it's such a heartwarming moment when everyone is there in the audience, his father, his brother, his friend, of course, now in full face makeup. Cause I guess, you know, that's what you, so you got to do in this yeah. movie to show, show that he's gay, not just that he's with a boy, but look, look, he's doing something drastic to himself. Yeah. Um, 
but I like that they were all there together. And there's just that one line of like, I wouldn't miss this for the world. Mm-hmm. Like this is my favorite person, you know, even, and I like the fact that even though Billy, like in his very nice way, shut him down, it was because he was kind, there was never a moment where that boy felt ridiculed or, or yeah, felt like I can't be friends with him now. It was yeah. still like, he's just my friend. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I think that like, I really appreciate that they didn't go the route of, you know, making him um, show any male attraction, um, whether or being like um, queer in sort of the the literal sense, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't know, I kind of, um, I kind of like the idea of this movie just being about a very sensitive boy who likes dance and gets along with women and doesn't get along with his masculine family, but that doesn't that that like straight men can also be that and like you know the fact it's like he you know because I don't I kind of don't like this idea of like whenever there's someone who shows those qualities they, it's like automatically been like oh he must be gay or right, bi right. or queer because it's like it just feels reductive it feels very like um it feels somewhat that like oh if you don't fit that stereotype then like you can't you know, like I've been right. told that I don't fit the gay stereotype. And I mean, it's been, well, I'll talk to my therapist about that, but it's been, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard though. It's hard because I'm yes, like, well, yes. I technically I am queer because I have queer attraction. Um, even if I don't, you know, like love actresses or whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I kind of, I kind of would prefer to, I guess the reason why I'm like, let's just pretend that like, you know, this is who he is and mm. like there's no like he's not gonna have like a bi phase or or like <laughs> a, a gay phase in college but that like you know when he's like i guess it's just like i i want to see more stories about you know like emotionally intelligent sensitive artistic mm-hmm. boys who you know can you know exist within heterosexuality and just right. have it not be that um because I don't know, it just seems so like it would uh, to make him like queer in the literal sense. I think would just to me would kind of lose some of the like uh, some of the like power of the sort of the the story. Because like if he's being criticized so much for being into these like feminine things, because oh, like I think the inherent like the implied thing is like we don't want a gay son, and then him turning out to be right. a gay son. It's like in some ways it feels to me that it reinforces that. Um, right, but, right. Um, I think it's totally something that everyone's going to have their own take on it. And like, I'm sure there are like thousands and thousands of gay boy dancers who watched this movie and were like, I see myself as Billy and I believe he, you know, he's, gonna, right. you know, and like he's queer and stuff. And like, I think he's definitely, you're absolutely right that like he's queer in every definition of the word to the people in his town. Uh, right. And I definitely, this is obviously a queer metaphor or at least something that's like, Oh yeah. It's like a kind of like um, seeing it as being like, okay, yeah. Like queer people will see this in them because it's about an outsider. It's about people kind of uh, defying the systems and stuff and being like ostracized, but accepted and stuff. So yeah, I mean, obviously this is a queer story, but um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I love, I mean, I love that scene with him and his friend and how much mm. that like doesn't really hurt their friendship and they just become friends and like, all right. So the way it should be, you yeah. know, like, I mean, how many, how many queer people have you met 
who have said like, oh, I'm really attracted to this person, but I'm just scared to yeah. say anything. Cause what if they aren't and like, they yeah. get really angry yeah. or I don't get to be friends with them anymore because they're so freaked out. And this is a genuine fear that queer people have had throughout the ages. Like, yeah. it's like, I remember going through that. Like, I think every, probably just about every gay or bi or pan boy or girl has had a crush on their best friend. Like, it's just, that is for whatever reason, that's just how it ends up translating. Right. It's the person other than family that we love most in our life. Like and we're so bonded to them. So of course, when we realize that we have same sex attraction, it's so easy to transfer that to the best friend, but you're like, Oh, I don't want to ruin our friendship. They don't know that I'm gay. Will it weird them out? Will it throw everything off? Like it's, it's a genuine fear. So like, I watch this and I'm like, oh, what a nice, what a nice rejection. Like, yeah. this is the nicest possible way you could get rejected. And it was, it was super, super sweet. Um, I think the only thing, the only actor we didn't really talk about yet is Julie Walters, who is perfection in yeah. this movie. I mean, she's so, I don't think there's anyone better at playing the protective maternal figure. Mm-mm. in film like she's so good like whether you know you want to talk about this or like god forbid you want to talk about harry potter movies you know she plays molly weasley in those and that's essentially she's playing kind of a similar character maybe not as gruff as she is in the beginning of this and this is actually something i love about her character is that when he first starts dancing and you know, she's teaching him. There's not these moments where she's like, okay, I'll do this for free or I'm yeah. really going to be for here, be here for you in every way. It's very much a stern teacher dynamic yeah. where she's like, no, pay me my money. Like yeah. I'm teaching you. I'm going to get paid for it. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to help until the only, like there's a moment where he just kind of freaks out on her. And then you can see in her eyes, like, oh, wow, this kid is in a lot of pain. And then she just switches and immediately goes into like kind of a different phase in their relationship and apologizes to him. I mean, after she slaps him, uh, which is another moment that you're like, you're just not used to seeing. You're not used to seeing the quote unquote good parent, which I think she represents yeah. here, slapping her child, slapping a child. Yeah. And it's, right. it's a hard slap too. It's not just like a little playful, yeah, like swat. It's like, you know, you hear it and hear it, that's gonna yeah. that's gonna redden his face a little bit but you can see again in her face like how mortified she is that she did this um whereas his dad when he punches his son there's just pure rage even after the fact there's no like oh my god i'm so sorry yeah. i can't believe i did this it's like no you you earned that punch and i'm not going to take it back so you have these two very different parental figures which i think ends up working so well because she is the one who confronts him. She's the only one who can kind of call it like it is and tell him when he's acting like a fool. And that I think also spurs his father's change um, that we get halfway through the movie. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that their, um, their dynamic is so unusual because Mm -hmm. she's not this sort of like kindly teacher. Yeah. um, You know, and yeah, she's very gruff and she's, I mean, she's even like very rough with um, the father. Yeah, and, yeah, she's um, not backing down. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I I mean, Julie Walter is not someone that I'm that familiar with outside of Harry Potter and Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie, I mean, I'm sure she has a very esteemed 
uh, resume of acting credits. I'm sure I've seen. I mean, apparently movie. she's in the greatest movie of all time, Paddington Two. So I don't remember that. her in that, but I yeah. believe that she's in there. I mean, oh yeah, I think she's <laughs> like, I think she's like a, a maid or something, or like their housekeeper. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, yeah, I'm sure she gets a lot of looks. You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, I was really. Um, I don't want to say that I was like surprised by her because I, I I know she's a terrific actor, but I was very just taken aback by um, how much she was uh, really like not being a very stereotypical mentor figure. And right. I like that. I mean, I don't like the violence, but I like that. You know that how that relationship takes that turn and you know what how it kind of sets up the rest of their dynamic there's a little bit a little bit more tension a little bit more um you know like she's not i mean i i kind of like that she's not this like saint who is right. like, there to rescue him like she actually puts him to work and is critical and it's hard on him and hard on everyone and it, it makes it makes for a more interesting movie yeah yeah i totally agree because i think if you have her just be like wildly supportive i don't think it's convincing that billy succeeds in the way that he does at the end of the movie because it because that is a hard world right the world of ballet is not that's no joke it's cutthroat so he has to be the best of the best of the best and to do that you're usually not going to get to be the best at anything with just like the sweetest sweet as pie kind teacher like you're going to need someone to push you you're going to need someone to be abusive or violent but you are going to need someone who's not going to listen to you every time you're like i'm tired i don't want to do this anymore (laughs) like you got to be a little bit tougher and she's just like the perfect just pitch perfect casting like she's so so good here and it's like but the thing that wows me about this is that it doesn't feel very actorly none of these roles do it does it's one of those movies that feels very lived in and like if if jamie bell hadn't become who he became and if i didn't recognize her from other things like it could be one of those movies where it feels like no one in here is like a known actor it just feels like so lived in and so of its time and place that you just kind of believe this is all happening um and you know there is of course a place for movies that are a gigantic production and it's very much a movie and you know it is from frame one to the end credits But this is one of those movies where you just like kind of fall into this place and it all feels very real and very genuine. And that's one thing I actually really love about it. And it's a movie I feel like now I'm going to go back to Mm -hmm. because it's like it's a feel good movie without any of the negativity that goes along with calling something a feel good movie. Because sometimes you call something a feel good movie. What it really means is like this is simple and stupid, but it makes my my heart go pitter patter. Right. Uh, but this is like an actually good movie. Like I was kind of surprised by that. Like when we picked this, I was like, oh yeah, the you know the dancing boy movie. Okay, sure, that'll be nice to talk about, I guess. But it was way better than yeah, I expected yeah. it to be. And like Stephen Daltrey, um, his career is interesting because after this, he makes The Hours, which I mean, mm. I think is an even better movie. Yeah. But then he does uh, like the reader and extremely lot of incredibly close like, he's making movies that are that sort of superficial, good and feel good movies. And I'm mm-hmm. curious what happened uh, after the hour. I mean, maybe he's just like, I give everything I have to Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep and Julianne Moore. So I have nothing else left to give. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, it's, I am just so, um, you know, like I think something something got lost between you know after Billy Elliot and the Hours, where you have these movies that are very prestige, but also feel very human and grounded, and then he kind of right. goes and he goes in the I, opposite direction and feels less. 
Yeah, I, f- I feel like he got hooked on the Oscars thing. Yeah. Right. Like, so, I mean, it's quite a jump in like, not in quality, but in like how expensive a movie looks when you go from Billy Elliot to the hour. Yeah, it's like the yeah. hours feels like a very good one, but very much a prestige Oscar yeah, type yeah. movie where you got big stars and the sets look impeccable and it's like Jumping filmed stunningly. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so much going on. Yeah. So then after that, and I haven't seen either, I have to be honest, I haven't seen either the reader or extremely loud and incredibly close, but everything I've heard is like, well, the reader got like a nice uh, Oscar for uh for what was it was it kate winslet, kate winslet yeah. yeah yeah and that's the best thing i've heard about it and everything i've heard about it, extremely loud incredibly close it's like wow what a piece of garbage yeah I so haven't, <laughs> i haven't seen that um i have seen the reader i think i've seen it twice like i watched it in theaters and i think i watched it like randomly um the, it's such a like uh basic movie like it's so by the numbers the only thing about it that marks it any differently is that it has like a lot of graphic nudity in it Right. Other right. than that, it's like very much middle of the road. I mean, wines. I I think it's a wine scene movie. It feels like mm, that. Except it feels like a it, lot yeah. of like male full frontal nudity. I'm right. like, other than that, there's nothing to recommend about it. Not even <laughs> Winslet. I mean, she's better in Revolutionary Road. Uh, yes, it's much much better. Um. So yeah, yeah. I think you're right on to something. I think like Billy Elliot feels like almost um like anti-Oscar. I mean, it's, it's yeah. an Oscar movie, but it doesn't feel like that kind of thing. And then the hours gets there a little bit more. And then, yeah, then he completely loses it by extreme line and probably close. And I don't yes. even know if he's made movies since then. I feel like I haven't seen his. Not movie. much, but he, he does have something in development called The Wonderling. There's no other detail about it. There's no cast. There's no description of what the movie is. But, you know, so in the next couple of years, he'll probably come out with that. He's been working, I think, a lot on The Crown uh, oh that, yeah yeah that okay. netflix show so he's been yeah. kind of focused on that but and i guess he also uh directed billy elliott live like the stage okay. production of it so he's kind of stuck in there but i mean i hope he i hope he returns to not necessarily the billy elliott style of movie because this is very much it feels like an early movie from a director it's got that kind of energy and yeah it's yeah clear that there's not a lot of money behind it uh but i hope he goes back to stuff like the hours i think the hours is truly excellent yeah um i think there's a lot to be said about you know o- actresses winning oscars when they quote unquote get ugly for a role just put on a prosthetic nose and you'll get you'll get an oscar but it's actually also like a tremendously good performance yeah and, no i mean you know, i love so. the hours i think the hours is- is um uh i mean it's um i think it's so like incredibly uh crafted um i don't think it actually gets enough credit for its structure mm-hmm. and it's i was obsessed uh, with that movie when it came out yeah, like just oh yeah. my god uh, it's but incredible it's like that it's just it's annoying that that's sort of become like the joke of like oscar bait uh just because, like, I think it's like actually a pretty excellent, excellent movie. Um, yeah, I just watched it. It was on the Criterion Channel uh, last year, like late last year, and I watched mm-hmm. it. And I was like, I hadn't seen it since way back when. I was like, this is even like better than I imagined. Like, I forgot yeah. like everything was all the uh, editing and structuring. So, absolutely. So, I'll all right. Back. Yes, please. <laughs> all right. So we have to talk about the Russo test. Yeah. Um, so the first uh, part of that is the film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual, and or trans. And I think obviously, like we talked a lot about, you know, Billy's best friend, clearly gay. Um, I, th- I think it's, it's one of the only 
the only negatives of the movie like it's it's a minor thing but like he that character becomes a bit of a stereotype as the movie goes on like you know they put him in the tutu and then he shows up later and he's like in full face makeup and it's like it's very and i think it's a shortcut where the the director is trying to show very clearly like because we don't know about billy but we know do know about him so we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna push that envelope so all audience members get it we're not gonna be subtle about this because we want the audience to know that there is a gay character here and there is an interaction here that is queer in nature and we gotta like focus on it right um and then secondly that character must not be solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity i'm not sure that this character meets this criteria is there anything about him other than like he is the gay best friend i mean uh i think it's more best friend than gay best friend Mm. but I don't know. I think he, in some ways, is serving a function to be like Billy's not gay, or at least not mm. yet, or whatever. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I feel like maybe it wouldn't pass this because I, I think yeah. he's he's a, it's a, he's a, he's a purposeful character, but right, um, very much defined by that, I guess. Right. So what about that third part? The LGBT character must be tied into the plot in such a way that their removal would have a significant effect. So what? What effect do you think it would have if that character is removed from Billy Elliot? Well, I think it would um, it would make it more uh, I think it would make it a more a different kind of queer story, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, I think then Billy, whatever he says, is going to be seen as like canonically quote unquote gay. I mean, I hate mm. that word, but like <laughs> <laughs> And so I think to make the point that, he can, that Billy can be sensitive and sweet and, you know, feminine, but not homosexual or bisexual or pansexual. Mm-hmm. I think you need a character like Michael. Um, and to also kind of show that like Billy has this emotional intelligence and he's like inherently a kind person and that he uh, you know, has this really um, important friendship. Yeah, I would say that this doesn't quite meet the criteria because like yeah, everything totally you've said is true. Too. Yeah. He's a he's essentially an emotional foil for yeah. Billy. Um yeah. but I think Billy shows his emotional intelligence with more than one person. Right? right, right. Um so I think the only thing it changes is the type of queer film this is, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think it changes significantly like what happens in the movie or the impact that it would have on Billy himself. Yeah. Um, so I was actually very shocked when I looked over this and I'm like, I don't think Billy Elliot meets this criteria. Yeah. And I was sure it was going to, and yet like, no, it doesn't quite. But th- again, just like the Bechdel test, this doesn't make it a bad movie. It doesn't, right. make, it, doesn't make it homophobic. It doesn't like, it just yeah. like, it just doesn't meet this specific criteria. So it, you know, here, who knew Billy Elliot doesn't pass the Russo test. That is who thought for shame for, for shame, shame. yes uh <laughs> but earlier you mentioned criterion and the next movie we are watching is on criterion um, yeah it's so a good transition so the next movie we're going to watch i can't wait because this is one of my favorite, <laughs> so favorite, favorite movies. 
is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So um, if you're a Criterion person, it's available to purchase. It's so wonderful. I, I think it's actually on the, the streaming channel. This if month. it's not on, it's coming in July, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like July 1st, it will be on yeah. there. So definitely watch this. Definitely check it out because it is so worth your time. Uh, definitely not your standard musical. So I'm looking forward to talking to you about that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, if you want more from us, you can um, always follow us on, on Twitter at Queer and Now Pod. Um, and Manish, where can they find you and your writing? And you should share your your big writing news. This is a big <laughs> oh, deal. God. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at the Manish eighty nine. Um, and yeah, I please I so I wrote. Oh God, now I'm like I don't know what to say. Um, I wrote the accompanying essay for the British Film Institute's uh, re release of Slam Bombay which is available uh, through their online store. So recommend that. It's a great film. Um, my essay is, I mean, I'll, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, and a huge honor. I'm so, so grateful. Um, so yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for that. that for, yeah, for and, and I think, that. I think I, if I remember right, I think that essay and the materials, it's like only on the first pressing. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so buy it, go to BFI's website. I bought it. You should absolutely buy it. Not only yeah. is there probably, I haven't read the piece yet, but I'm sure a very good piece, but it's also a really good movie. It's a really good um, movie. Yeah. And it's totally worth a blind buy. So you should check that out. Absolutely. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, um, I don't recommend it, uh, but uh, you can follow me at Darn That Dave. Uh, but really just follow us at Queer and Now for more it's Queer and Now content. And we will be back next time with our episode.